Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on the small called articles. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and a faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe. I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right, welcome back. We are on part two on this four-part arc of episodes on the Small College Articles, Article 1. Or no, part two. Part two, Article, Article 1. one. Subject, Subject A. Uh, uh, on justification. There <laughs> we go. I'm telling you guys, you make fun of me all the time. <laughs> one of these days. Constantly. Yes. You have no idea. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be famous. The Osier system. That's going to be cooler than that. But I, I love it. Let's use that as the working moniker. All right. That sounds Brad. good. So, yeah, we, we left off last time, uh, and this might be an episode where it would be good to probably go back and listen to the one just prior to this one. Yeah, not all our episodes are serialized. Right. <laughs> There'd be yeah. some background Ooh, information. Cereal. Yeah. Not the food, but the serial podcast. Yeah. No, All right. like the killer, not like the brand. Yes, yeah. that, that's right. A- anyhow, yeah, if, if you <laughs> if you get a chance, uh, go back and listen to last week's episode. Uh, we were defining justification and uh, walking through three words that are, are tied into the definition of justification. Atonement, uh, we talked about imputation. And the third one that we didn't get into, but we're going to launch into in this episode is grace. Yeah, grace being maybe the most generic of all Christian words that exist. <laughs> uh, right. if, you, if you wanted a definitionless word that is thrown about by the church, like... Uh, Almost like gospel, like gospel. Well, yeah, gospel would be first, grace yeah. would be second, right? Sure. And so we have to define grace because every Christian tradition conceives of grace in a different way, right? So the the biblical definition, the Lutheran tradition definition for grace is unmerited favor, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Lutherans view grace as being mediated by God, that grace comes to us through channels, and it's really through the preached word in the applied word. And through that's means. What, through Me- means. Mediation yep. means, yep. Yeah, so you got As the, opposed to immediate, yeah, yeah, and so without means. On the one side of the spectrum, you have a more or less Protestant. I'm not even going to pick on the Reformed here because the Reformed are somewhere in between, but uh, really, as far as generic American Christianity goes, as generic as American as you possibly can get is this immediate grace that God just downloads his grace right into our spirit uh, without any channel whatsoever. And and the way we illustrate this, we'll go back to the illustration we've used multiple times is the king and the dungeon and the jailer and the prisoner, right? And, you know, if if you're in prison and the king, by his goodness, uh, declares you to be free, the prison cell and your chains don't automatically fall off and you automatically know what's going on, right? Is that the jailer must deliver the king's edict to you and unlock the door and unlock the chains and probably even walk you out of the dungeon, right? The jailer is the means by which the king's edict is realized, right? And so we also make the distinction in Lutheran theology of the accomplishment of our salvation and the deliverance of our salvation. This is the same terminology we use with grace 
so that God doesn't just bless us apart from his word. God, do, you know, it's it's not the Holy Spirit speaking directly into our spirit. So mm-hmm. really at the immediate grace end of the spectrum, you find a lot of the Pentecostals, a lot yeah. of the Charismatics, that kind of wing. And it kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with someone. Uh, they were talking about music, and they were trying to make a case that music is a means of bringing God's grace it kind of in a discussion of you know the means of grace being you know baptism lord's supper and uh it was just kind of interesting you know th- that definitely goes into the realm of mysticism and yep. and that that sort of thing um but yeah we use this word grace in a lot of different ways uh, but thanks for kind of narrowing your the focus yeah. here and in the american church grace is often associated with a positive emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, good vibes, that, yeah. Warm fuzzies. <laughs> that you know, the Beach Boys had it right. You know, with good vibrations, yeah. Uh, or with telling me everything's going to be okay. Yeah, you know. Oh, it's just it's all grace it's here. Be okay. We're, you know, this is yeah. this is it's we we are a church that you know is centered on grace, not on law. And oftentimes that word grace is confused with gospel, which the gospel is a gracious gift of God, but they're not one in the same. Uh, in and of that way either. Well, and so, go ahead, Jason. Well, I was going to say, to that point, it is a gracious thing that God has given us the law. Mm-hmm. Because without the law, we would not see the depth of our sin, know that we need the gospel. Right. right? And so we, we that's why we want to be careful in defining these terms. Yeah. So the point you guys are making is is right. God gives us his unmerited favor through means. We got and, and you talked about it too, Brett. You, you, some people say music. or mm-hmm. This can quickly become mystical if we divorce ourselves from the word. But the word itself declares, you know, for instance, in, in Romans 1 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. Grace is, you know, <laughs> salvation is a gracious thing of God. And the gospel is the way that that comes, right? So the good news, the declaration of the word of God and the gospel in the broad sense of both law and gospel, the, just the whole message of Jesus Christ, the whole story in the broadest sense of that word, is the is the message, it's the power of salvation. That changes people. When it talks about baptism being something that it is, that, that God does and not something that we do, and he brings gifts of, for instance, burying our old nature and giving us new life. Or when we talk about the bread and the wine and communion, and this is my body, this is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Those are distinct, concrete promises in the word of God that we, we don't get to make up new definitions of means. And I want to, mm-hmm. what you're saying, I kind of yeah. wanted to piggyback on that, Brett, because yeah. that's exactly what we do as a culture. Oh, this is, oh, God is just, this is grace. This is grace. This is grace. And we use the word so much and so flippantly yeah. that we forget to mean that it's actually God loves us and wants to give us good things. And here's how. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with blessing, right? It's just such an empty term that it means nothing. Now, the flip side of that is the Roman Catholic conception of grace, which grace is a substance. It is a measurable quantity. And to go there, we also want to go back to the word uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Uh, which really clarifies things. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. And the, the way that's worded is that the faith to receive it and the gift of God is both grace. Grace modifies both of those. In the Roman Catholic conception of it, it has been taught in the Roman Catholic that grace is the substance that completes our good works and causes mm-hmm. us to be pleasing before God. And so it's an infused 
grace. And so kind of like he gives me grace to do it. Is that what, well, is that a Catholic way of saying yeah, it? Yeah, kind of. So what you really want to talk about here is the concept of merit. All right, so that Jesus has a superabundance of merit, but so do the saints. Mm -hmm. And so you have this treasury of merit and that we do things, but because we're sinners and we, we, we do things incompletely, the, the treasury is like the, the heavenly scholarship system. And they take a little bit of the treasury of merit and apply to us when we can't measure up if we in earnest are trying to please God. And I know I'm butchering that, yeah. but it's, that's how it's presented, right? Yep. And so, uh, again, we, we have to be clear about how this works in the Roman Catholic Church, and I'm doing my best here, but I'm not Roman Catholic. I'm only assessing Roman Catholic doctrine, that Christ's merit has taken away the eternal punishment for sins, but that there's still temporal punishment for sins that must be paid for. And that's where the merit of the saints comes into play, this treasury of merit, where then the grace that applies their merit to anything we do incompletely is what finishes that off. And we we can't do that because grace isn't a substance. It's not a currency. It's not a balance in a bank account. It's, it's a disposition of the Almighty. A favorable disposition of the Almighty to us with no commentary on our merit. Mm -hmm. I, I, last week I gave the illustration of what I did with a pen and my students when I talked about imputation. Like I made, you know, I made them walk around trying to find me with like the bad game of Marco Polo I think we talked about. Uh, when I do the infusion, the illustration of that, and it just for, for those, because this is honestly, these are terms where my students are absolutely confused. And that's probably because I'm a terrible teacher teacher. Well, and it's, they're just very abstract things yeah. that we need to learn. Yeah, go ahead. Be careful with, right? Um, the infusion, what I do is, is I then speak to them and give them new powers, like open your eyes <laughs> or I'm over here and then open your eyes and then they can find me and get the pen, right? They can, they, they are given new powers by me I, uh, they listen to my voice and, and I infuse them with the power to open their eyes and to follow me and to come and find the pen themselves. See, that's the difference because the, the infusion aspect of things, it lends itself to make us think that we can somehow find and earn merit or favor with God. And that's not, a, not at all. We, we get the end result by helping God out or by, you know, living out what I'm going to set you on the right path, but you've got to do the running. Well, yeah, it's. I think so much of the church, both on either side of the spectrum, either the uh, the immediate grace or the infused grace, more or less treat grace as power ups in a Mario Brothers game, right? <laughs> I thought of that too as yeah, we were talking. It's, it's, it's not a little mushroom, yeah. You, you need this power to be able to run the race better, but huh. the focus is always on what we're doing. And that yeah, I was going to say it, it leads to lack of assurance. It leads to lack yeah. of assurance, and and that's where it's it's a really good spot for us to turn. Now we talk about the definition of justification. We've got this idea that's atonement for sin and satisfaction for the wrath of God against sin. That you've got double imputation. Mm -hmm. That you're simultaneously not guilty and mm -hmm. completely righteous. Amen. And you've got grace, meaning you don't deserve any of this. You're not worthy of any of it. Is that God has a favorable disposition to you because of Jesus Christ? That's justification in a nutshell, right? So what? Does does that do for the Christian life? The whole of the benefit, I think, of mm -hmm. justification for the Christian life is expressed to us in terms of assurance of salvation, mm -hmm. right? Is that we live our lives now confident mm -hmm. of what our eternal destiny is because of Jesus. And, and this is an actual experience that I've had. I've been in a conversation with a Roman Catholic friend, it was either in high school or college, where I talked about assurance of salvation with them. And they said, yeah, that would just be utterly offensive to us. 
Hmm. That it's mm-hmm. the most arrogant thing in the Roman Catholic right. conception that you would be comfortable and confident that you're going to heaven when you die. Is that the Roman Catholic system lives in that area of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder if that carries over into general American no. evangelical, you know, whatever we want to call that group. Of... Generic American Christianity? Yeah. The GAX? The GAX. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, the first time I went there. I'm surprised it took me about 300 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, no, I guess uh, I think I was trying to say is um, the those people they they tend to be confident in them in themselves in their salvation. Well, they do, and but it's it's just a never-ending need for energy. It's it's mm-hmm. I equate it to if you go to a a contemporary Protestant praise and worship service, 90% or higher chance that the the entire tenor of the worship service will be drumming up in you the experience of, of you know, the transcendent or whatever it is that we're trying Getting into to... into the presence of God or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like the creed, can you take me higher kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, but, but that's the problem is because assurance of salvation isn't about what we've done. It's assurance about what God has done hmm. precisely because we can't do it enough. And that goes yeah. back to your last episode, Adam, talking about divine monergism. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and the fact of justification works in such a way that if we have anything to do mm-hmm. with our justification, assurance goes out the window instantly. Right. And even if it's 99% God and 1% us. You can never know if you've done enough. You can never know if you've loved God enough. You can never know if you've loved your neighbor enough. Or believed enough or or believed enough. enough Or you you run into this American Protestant, both the Reformed and the Arminian side of things get super obsessed about motivation. And, and it's like, no, if you wait until you're properly motivated to good work, do good works, you're never going to be properly motivated because you've got a sinful nature. Uh, the, the Lutheran response to that is go do the good work and then repent of your attitude later <laughs> because your salvation is not based on the execution of that good work. Yeah. Your salvation is based on what Jesus has done for you over yeah. here. Yeah. I got lost. What were we talking about? Creed. Oh, yeah, that's, that's where I was at. Creed. Yeah. And were, I think you, you went past that. that. Yeah. I was just—I th- had the guitar riff going on in my in my head. This like, is why Adam was lip singing over the chord. He's like, with Can arms wide open, <laughs> Yeah, I could do it. <laughs> I, you know what? I have more talents than you guys you give are, me credit for. I, I can confidently say that you are the Scott Stapp of American theologians. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember. Well, that's, oh, we digress man. too far. However, however, yeah. I do want to get back. <laughs> I remember laying on the floor listening to I Just Heard the News Today. It seems my life is going to change. That song about when he finds out that he's going to be a dad. I listened today. to that song right after I found out I was going to be a dad for the first time. And uh, I laid on the kitchen floor and bald. Anyway, you are such a cliche. <laughs> I am. I am. I, I, I liked. I liked Creed back in the day. Yeah. In fact, I'm probably gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna listen to some tonight. Hey, so here's here's where we're. You going know what Creed's it. doing right now? I don't know if I oh, want to no. know. Whatever Nickelback's doing. The <laughs> same band. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Well, that has been today's episode of being <laughs> Lutheran. No. Um. What I was going to say, wow, <laughs> going back to this, the nature of the, the treadmill of trying harder, doing more, even if it's 1%, it's got to be whatever. One of, the, one of the statements that we see in Scripture, and I think that this is a very powerful way of looking at this, 
And I believe, and let me, let me check here. I think that Luther quotes, he does. He goes, the, the first part, the chief article that Jesus Christ, our God and Lord was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Notice there, and, and a lot of times we, we glaze over that and think, um, you know, handed over to death, he died for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. The nature of the resurrection in this conversation is a very telltale sign of the fact that Jesus did it all because last I've done hundreds, literally I've been part of hundreds of funerals. Okay. And I I've been involved because of the nature of my, my ministry was a very old, much older congregation. I was doing funerals all the time. Never once did I see anybody resurrected. There will be a day where I will, but I have not seen anybody be able to come out of that, that casket themselves. But Jesus in, in his whole, the, the nature of his, um, of his death and resurrection, uh, if, if he would have stayed dead, we would have had no confidence I could die for my sins too. You can die for your sins and we will because we are sinners. But what we can't do is our resurrection uh, did not buy the forgiveness of the whole world. It did not earn, you know, did not earn the justification of the whole world. When Jesus walked out of that tomb and he said, it was, I finished, he proved it as he was raised. So the resurrection itself stands as, unless you can do that, you can't do your justification. Well, and, and Luther writes about that in the large catechism. It, that is, the resurrection is the end of the divine child abuser talk, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because this divine yeah. child, if, if God puts his son and has him die in our place, that's kind of cruel, right? But if God's son is God and then God rises from the dead, then it's not divine child ab- abuse. And that's part of the good news of the gospel is not only did God do this for us, he did it willingly and it wasn't plan B, you know, I, th- you know, so much of what we do as American Christians is this conception that God is unwilling to do what he's promised for us in scripture. Mm. And, and we need to beat into our old sinful nature, this idea that God wanted to redeem us, that it was God's delight to redeem us, that God willingly did this. And this was his plan from the beginning of history that, you know, Jesus was there for all time and God knew about this. It wasn't that, you know, the Israelites screwed up or that we screwed up, or Adam screwed up, and there's like, oh, well, now i got to figure something else out for these idiots, right? That's not how the gospel works. This was God's plan all along, and that's why we have to look at the resurrection as part of the crucifixion, which is, which is why, again, I, I really, well, I do intend to pick on American Christianity, but we've just got to get rid of these bad habits. Sure. The, the, obsession, right. <clears throat> the obsession with the empty cross... And American Protestantism is so strange because on the one hand... We're, we're the badge of honor that, yeah, oh, like well, we're or not like, like the Catholics. Well, or like the, 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 the Babylon Bee, you know, woman has more crosses on her wall than actually made up the actual cross, kind of, you know, kind of thing. But the, the cross... You need Jesus on the cross, or the cross is just a torture device, right? And, and I realized kind of the... the you know, well, Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. No, because he emerged from the tomb, right? And it's not the cross that delivers the grace of God. It's the Savior that delivers the grace of God through the cross. We know people who are at the crucifixion that were not saved because they were at the crucifixion. We have to be careful with that language because we, t- gotta have to, we, we have to talk about what God has done for us in Christ. And that extends to both the cross and the empty tomb as one event. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, I guess as we start to wind down on this episode and uh, we'll be getting into scripture in the next next uh, couple of episodes. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts? Uh, I know we're, we're talking a bit about uh, application yep. of justification and, you know, <laughs> this wouldn't be the Being Lutheran podcast if we didn't mention, you know, assurance of salvation and vocation. And vocation. The two halves yeah. of the Christian life. Right. And so, you know, this is where Luther writes, uh, nothing in this article can be yielded or surrendered. And mm-hmm. this, as soon as you start to punt on the elements of justification, you lose the entire Christian faith right away. And what he means by that ultimately is you lose your assurance of salvation. Mm -hmm. You lose your confidence in what God has done. And because we're always trying to insert our works into us, that's the whole temptation, right? But the the two halves of the Christian life are assurance of salvation because Jesus has taken care of everything we need for salvation, and then it's vocation. Mm -hmm. So the application of assurance in the life of a Christian is that we have somewhere to put our good works. You know, if you don't have a place for your good works, you're going to always try to insert them into the salvation equation. But if you can properly conceive of your good works, it's mm-hmm. because you have a proper conception of justification. So people are trying to Im- impute their their good works into well, their own justification? Well, we really, in, this is the argument of Paul in Romans 6. Shall we go on sinning because yeah. grace may abound? Yeah. You know, if Jesus took care of everything for us, if he's paid for our sin, why am I trying so hard? There, you know, and this is the whole Roman system of why they couldn't preach the gospel, because they needed to hold the gospel out like a carrot on the string so that people would behave well. And the answer is, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're not worried about our salvation. We're worried because God has commanded us to love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. And the primary way that God provides for and sustains creation is through the loving acts of everyone's neighbor. And so that when I go to the grocery store to get my actual daily bread, that God has worked through the farmer and the miller and the grocer and all the people in that line to deliver daily bread to me, even as I have prayed to God every day for him to give me my daily bread. In the same way, my work as a pastor and your work, Brett, as a pastor and your work, Adam, as a dean of a Bible college and uh, everyone else in their jobs, God is working through you, whether you like your job or not, to provide for your neighbor. And in fact, it's the knowledge that God is working through you that can give value, that can give hope to someone who hates their job. Yeah. You know, who is worn out by that. Yeah. One of the, in the way to not get into that thinking where we forget about vocation and we have to think about it this way is that um, we're only thinking about justification halfway. We're only thinking about a single imputation if we think it's okay to just go on doing whatever we want. But the fact that not only have we been forgiven of our sin, Christ taking all of that, then I can just live however I want because he just takes it. No, 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 no. You are a new creation. Yep. The old is gone. The, he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That new creation language in 2 Corinthians 5 is, is, is paramount here. And that, that language Paul you know, uses again with the Ephesians when he says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared in advance that we may walk in them. That whole picture of, of the gospel if we are that, like you said, I don't remember, Jason, I, I think it was last week where you talked about cheap grace. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the nature of cheap grace is only when we, when we land on the single imputation where God takes our sin and therefore we're good. We can just do it as much as we want. No, no, no. We forget who we are. We need to remember that we are also the righteousness of God, his workmanship, his creation for good works. And exactly what you're talking about, the vocation, mm-hmm. whether it's the baker, whether it's the doctor who, yes. you know, fixes us when we're, you know, broken or heals us when we're sick. 
Uh, all of those things are for the Christian, a representation of the righteousness that we are in Christ. And the demonstration that God works through means. So mm-hmm. that he's working through means to deliver us salvation, and he's working through means to deliver us our daily bread. But the reality of the assurance of salvation on the life of a Christian is that it properly orders our good works. And if we think our good works contribute to our salvation, then we always are putting ourselves in competition with our neighbor rather than in loving and serving our neighbor because we know we don't need them before God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Vocation. There you go. Yes. You were waiting. I, I've been itching to yeah, say that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening and catch us next time as we get into the word, uh, further unpacking these truths. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. You are invited to the Summer Institute of Theology, happening August 7th through the 11th at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Join pastors and lay people from around the country for training in apologetics, congregational leadership, systematic theology, and studies in the Psalms. Find the full list of electives and registration information at flbc.edu slash SIT. God bless you and have a great week.